welcome to a new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Alice Lee to talk with us about branding and self-promotion. Alice, can you give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Ooh, uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. It's great to be on this podcast. Uh, my name is Alice Lee. I'm an illustrator and a muralist. I am based in the SF Bay area. I've been freelancing for the last six or seven years. And before that, I was a product designer and illustrator at Dropbox. And sorry, what were the questions again? You've, you've done them all, except okay. what's your favorite happy hour beverage? Ooh, favorite ha- happy hour beverage. Well, I haven't had a, you know, I haven't attended a happy hour in a really long time. We should have a happy hour when, when we, we can should. again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really liking these um, cucumber dry botanical bubbly sparkling beverages that my boyfriend is a fan of. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's also give introduction of today's panelists. Jem, you want to start? Jem Young, senior software engineer at Netflix. Augusta Soon, software engineer at Twitch. I am Shirley Wu, and I'm an independent creator of data visualizations. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what did we decide today's keyword is? Exposure. Exposure. Cheers. All right. Cheers. If we say the word exposure, we will all be taking a drink. <laughs> well, let's hop in. I, I figured it'd be probably good if we started by even just talking about like what does self-promotion or brand, you know, personal branding look like or mean to each of you? Because I know it can mean many different things to many different people. Well, I guess I'll start. <laughs> I think, you know, in this this day and age, branding and promotion to me is very tightly, you know, synonymous with uh, social media presence. And I think that I wouldn't have the career I have today if it weren't for that ability to promote myself and like organically, I guess, build a quote brand on social media. Uh, I'm sure if we were having this conversation even five years ago, it would be very different. I guess the only thing I would add is if I think back to before social media was such a big thing and everybody felt the pressure to have like a personal brand. I think the only other thing I would think of is like a personal portfolio of, I think if I, I mean, that's extremely important to me now as a freelancer, but if I think back to even before I started freelancing, um, having a portfolio or as a software engineer, like every time I want to go to a new job, um, I think my Uh, GitHub. I guess you can make some sort of a argument that GitHub and LinkedIn is also some form of social media. But GitHub, I guess, is more like my work history and work experience. So yeah, I actually can't think of what else outside of that. Well, I actually had a question for you guys, which is, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that social media is like a huge part of promotion for people, especially in our tech industry or tech adjacent industries. So I'm so not discounting that, but just putting that aside because that's sort of obvious. I'm curious what are other non-social media channels that you guys have relied on or people in your like industry or cohort would rely on? Like, for example, uh, as a freelance illustrator, 
this has sort of slowly not become a thing because of the quarantine, but some a form of promotion that freelance illustrators would do, especially if you're trying to break into like the editorial scene. So editorial illustrations like newspapers, magazines, New York Times, New Yorker, is uh, people would send like physical postcards in mm. with your artwork to art directors, like at their mm. office. So obviously you probably have, if you were doing that, you'd probably do some form of like email now. But I think that that's also slowly become less like necessary because of social media and the way that people's artwork is being discovered. So I'm just curious, like what is their engineer, front end engineer, or like data science, you know, version of that, that's sort of unique to your niche. I liked where your head is at there too, is like, it's, it's almost like looking for ways to, to get exposure to people and get your work to be exposed. <laughs> cheers. 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 Oh, cheers. And, and I, for me is maybe it's, it's all been like, the tech around it. So it's probably going to be somewhat tech related, but then it got me thinking of things like speaking at a conference or joining a panel, going on podcasts, things like that, where it's not really social media, but you're also sharing who you are. Like even how we introduced you, Alison, and who, what, you, what do you do? And like, who are you? And that's a type of your branding. You're talking about, I am an illustrator and this is what I do. And so all in how you're even sharing your own bio in, in forums, like a, at a conference, that is a form of like self-promotion or even in meetings, right? Like I think a lot of times I'm meeting new people at work and the way I sell myself is, you know, there's probably something it's like basically reading a bio to give them a little bit of perspective of who you are. And so I think those are the types of forms that come to mind. And, and then another one that came really like old, even when I thought of like you mailing in stuff, I'm like, yes, this reminds me of things <laughs> of like, I grew up doing a lot of graffiti. And to me, that is, that is self-promotion, like huge. You're, you're like <laughs> writing your name on shit. Like that is like, you know, is totally promotion in it. But that to me is always kind of also highlighted the like guerrilla marketing style of things is like mm. putting something out there in front of people and just thinking a little bit differently. And, and how do you get noticed on that, those types of fronts? So I, I thought that was an interesting one that just kind of popped in my head as you asked that question. Yeah, that's so cool that you used to do graffiti. When oh yes, we younger. should definitely talk more and like, oh, cause I've yeah. always admired your artwork and like, I still like miss doing large murals and things like that. It's like a lot of fun to do. I miss spray painting for sure. Yeah. I have so much respect for graffiti artists. Like I think, first of all, it's so hard, you know, to just oftentimes, you know, you you're working with these huge spaces. I mean, I think a lot of uh, places where I see street art, like I'm just kind of like, how do they do that? Like, do they have like a ladder or like, were they suspended over the side not. of the building? Like, how did they even get, to, like, get to that part of the wall? You know. But I think that's, but that to me is like kind of interesting. Like you sparked that in my when you said that. Like it's like yeah, you kind of have to get creative in promoting yourself. Or like Shirley said, like yeah, back in the days, which I mean portfolios are still a thing, but it's like looking for ways in which to just kind of get noticed for the work that you're doing. And, and to me, it kind of, you have to get creative. Yeah. We, we talk about self-promotion and what came to mind was actually work self-promotion and thinking like a, a manager or a particular in this instance, like an engineering manager, you don't know what your direct reports are doing hundred percent of the time, all the time. Like you just can't know. So from an IC perspective, it's good to brand yourself in a certain way mm. and at work, like have a certain brand. I, I mean, I have a brand at work. I don't 
really know if it's positive. I think it's positive. <laughs> but, uh, but like people will message me and be like, hey, Jim, I saw your talk on this or whatever. Do you mind helping me with this? And like, I, I won't say I'm broadly known at Netflix for this, but I'm pretty well known, just as Ryan is known at Netflix as someone who is amazing at hiring. And if you needed hiring advice, he's the person to go to. So like, I think it's important. I, I really love this topic because you have to control your brand and your the way people perceive you. Because if you don't, people are going to perceive you one way or another. It's better to have control of that narrative than to have people form their own assumptions. And if you asked me five years ago, I would be like, ew, branding, <laughs> self-promotion. That's, that's so icky and gross. And I'm not about that. But now that I'm older, I'm like, actually, it is important, especially if you want to become a leader of some sort in, in any industry. People need to know you as something. And they will know you as something. Whether or not you control that or not is totally up to you. Actually, that's a really interesting point of like, I think a lot of us, we probably do it unconsciously, which is like, you know, we have a personality and we put that out there, even just in the sphere of our own work. Because like you mentioned, I, I remember um, how much I valued my first year at a full-time job because that's when I can establish my reputation as like someone that's hardworking or someone that solves like that like solving like specific kinds of problems. And that is actually, I think, just self-promotion or branding just without that label attached to it of being like, hey, you can rely on me to deliver quality work. So you should trust me with, you know, more work that I'm interested in, in the future. It's so interesting, because some of the things y'all brought up were like, for front end engineering, like, we have this benefit of like, our social media presence is kind of our work. So a lot of people they look at our websites, our personal websites to kind of get an idea of what the work there is but then it's kind of like this like more recently i feel like it's kind of exploded the front end engineering um, industry as a whole has kind of exploded in being able to showcase your work in more different ways so code pen makes it very easy to just create like very like confined snippets of like small pieces of work so like if you look at sarah drasner or like many mm -hmm. other people's like code pens they're just like freaking phenomenal you just like mm -hmm. go there and and you just like go through pages like wow oh my god <laughs> just keep going so, and it's like these niche communities start to develop like dev.2 for like which or, or medium for like writing i know like for maybe for data science and data visualization like mike bostock mike bostock the guy who created d3js he started a new site called observable which i think Shirley probably knows more than I do, but I guess you can create um, notebooks for like data visualizations. So it's just like really fascinating all the different forums of how you can like get exposure. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> and then I guess one last thing I'll say is like, you know, being part of Twitch, I'm exposed to a lot of different people who are creators and streamers and the way they have been kind of building their social following is not through just Twitch, but they try to get as much, I didn't want to use the keyword, <laughs> they, they try to showcase as much of themselves as they can in, in, in tons of different social media. Um, so for example, uploading all of their VODs to YouTube and Reddit is a really big way of how they like get, um, mm. get surface, right? Like some clip gets posted about them of like making this amazing play 
in this clutch situation of a game and then they get a huge <laughs> following because of it. It's, it's, it's honestly really incredible. Something that Jem said actually sparked this follow-up question that I had when you were talking about controlling the narrative and your brand. And it got me th to thinking about how like, you know, I think a lot for those of us who are like always online, quote, quote, or perpetually online. So possibly many of us or all of us um, <laughs> in this panel, um, there's this interesting balance that I've had to more recently negotiate between like who you are as a person, like your, your actual identity and your, you know, brand identity. And those two things can have a lot of overlaps, but I have found that my brand quote identity, since it's what I choose to put out there, oftentimes it is on a delay from who, mm. who I am. Like I'll, <clears throat> I'll grow, I'll develop new skills. And unless I tell people about it, they don't know that. And mm. so that's not a part of my brand. So my follow-up question is for you guys, has there ever been a time where you wanted to change your brand narrative and it was like not up to date or you just wanted to go in a new direction and like what was that process and journey like for you just to make it like maybe relatable for anyone who's listening that could be if you're like a new grad and you don't have a brand but you you're really good but people just don't know that and you you're trying to build that brand or it could be maybe you're in the middle of your career and you're known for data science but you want to become a illustrator or something but people don't know you as that so they always you know ask you data science questions and invite you to data science opportunities so i'm just curious if, if any of you guys have had to bridge that gap recently and, and what your mm. approach to that was i don't think i've thought about it necessarily like proactively been like i need to like switch or pivot that but i do think i've spent more time in management is even like conferences and things like I won't speak as much on like an engineering piece where I used to like give a tech mm -hmm. talk I want to talk more about leadership stuff and like not to say that I still don't like the tech side of things but I'm just like closer has been spending more of my time thinking and breathing being a leader and like what are those types of topics that are top of mind for me and so I want I'm like more passionate about those right now and so I want to speak on those and so like I don't necessarily want to speak on you know, the latest JavaScript framework. I do want to talk about it because I'm still interested in it, <laughs> but I, I don't know if I've really like thought about that though, or like I have to pivot my brand to change that, but I've actively been talking more about that even on social media or at a conferences. Like I probably want to give a talk like that. And so I'm actively doing it, but I don't know if I've thought about like, I need to pivot too much. So, I, but I love the question because I'm like, wow, maybe I should be thinking about that more like <laughs> thoughtfulness and not just doing something we didn't cover earlier is Alice and I are studio mates. And so we have this kind these, uh, <laughs> these conversations a lot. And, um, one of the things that we've talked about is I, I really like what you touched on, um, as part of that question, Alice, about how, what, how we present ourselves to the outside world versus how we present how, who we are internally or like to our close group of friends or to ourselves can be different. And there are certainly like, we have friends where, um, they're almost the same, right? Like they share a lot of themselves online and they're loved for it. Um, whereas I think we've talked about how I, I, my theory is that it's our business school background. Cause I, I definitely, <laughs> I, I remember being like, you know, like 
I remember it being like, just like drilled into our brains of like, be careful how you present yourself on the internet, because anybody can see that. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I am very careful about only sharing um, publicly, like what's happening in my work life, but not necessarily always my personal life. And I'm like, very private about that. And I think only recently have I started to be more like, oh, and, and that even goes to like how I feel about, you know, like my opinions on certain like political topics or what's happening in the world. I think for the longest time, I like strayed away from talking about those publicly because like I just didn't want to say any controversial things. But I think recently with so much stuff going on that I'm like, I have really strong opinions about. I, I do want to say them more and more. I, I mean, there's still a lot of my personal life um, that I want to keep for myself, but I think there's more and more of that coming into what I want to share, um, especially because I think there's so much conversation around like our responsibilities about talking about what's going on in the world just having that conversation. So that's that's one thing I wanted to touch on that you mentioned in the lead up to your question. And I think in terms of like your question itself, I think it's super interesting. I know we've had some conversations about wanting to pivot like what we do, because I, I know Alice that you pivoted from tech illustration into like you wanted to do murals. So you just did it. And that's super cool. <laughs> and it worked out super well for you. And I feel like I'm at this point where um, I think my quote unquote branding has been like a lot about data visualization and I'm happy for that. But I also have this weird, like, don't put me in a box. I'm more than right. just one yeah. thing, um, which I think we've also talked about that of like, um, we just tend to put use, you know, like very complex, like everybody's so, every human being is so complex, but we tend to just want to reduce them to one or two like tags or categories so that it's easier to remember. That's a whole other rant, but I'm, I'm recently trying to like do less of what I used to do for data visualization and more just like trying to explore different things and explore different creative mediums. Um, and I do notice, um, and this is again, something we talk about often of like the metrics that we see on social media. Um, I do notice that I get less engagement on those posts that I share because, you know, that's not what people want to see from me. And I, mm. I, um, but and then I think at first it's kind of discouraging because I'm like, oh, maybe I should give I, maybe I should just be doing what people want. But then I, uh, I actually found a really interesting parallel in the YouTube world, which is like these like, you know, YouTubers, they like become famous for something, right? They're a niche. And then when they try to like break out of that niche, like they get um, backlash because people are like, oh, I liked when you did that one thing. Why are you, why are you not doing that thing? Why are you doing this new thing? I don't like this new thing. Um, and I've seen like YouTubers talk, like I've just like watched some YouTubers talk about it. And I liked what this one person said about how um, sometimes like oftentimes, if you just listen to what your audience says they want, you'll never be able to grow. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're the person that understands yourself the most and where you want to go the most and like what direction it is that like makes you the happiest and just like follow that gut feeling. And, you know, there might be like backlash at the beginning, people might not like it, but then hopefully like if you just stick to what you believe in, then people will kind of like 
gather around you for this new thing or for this like hybrid thing that you're trying to do. Um, I found that especially encouraging. And now, now, now I'm just trying to be like, I'm going to stop caring about the numbers, which is really hard for me to do as someone that's like a data person. I just like, I just look <laughs> at numbers so much, but I'm just like trying not to look at the numbers and just trying to think about like, what is making me happy in what I'm creating. You touched on so many things there, Shirley, but like evolving, like you, we all need to evolve. And I think like, I, I think maybe it's Alice maybe can think of this too, is like, but artists, like you, you don't want to create the same thing over and over again. You get like, you're passionate about that for a bit. And then you start to pivot, you learn something new and your style evolves and things like that. And you, that to me is important and you're going to see that naturally happen. And, and I love that you said that surely about like YouTubers or someone like you've joined them for this specific channel, but that person doesn't necessarily want to stay in that niche, mm -hmm. that box. They're wanting to like grow from it. But I also wanted to bring it back to something you had said about the, like only sharing certain things online or, you know, how does that work? Like you have a online presence brand or persona and then your real life one and for me I think that that was something similar as like I'd always been taught like don't share everything online and and I still agree with that but I also think that I've started to feel as though I want to show up be my authentic self and so what I say online and what I am as a person it's like mm -hmm. I want to share that as the same and there are going to be people who don't don't like it or are kind of like, oh, why is he sharing that or whatever. I think I've gotten more comfortable over the years to just not really give a shit where it's like literally <laughs> like I'm going to do me haters going to hate type mentality. But like I, I got to do what I want to do for myself and it's not I'm going to make mistakes and that's OK. I think I had to get comfortable with that. And so I'm literally like try and have one voice like the way I show up on here is in the same way I show up on Twitter or in a meeting, like I'm going to say similar things in like my work life or family life that I would just in, in the open presence. So I, I really like that direction that you're headed with that. So I'm kind of curious as like, I went on my little rant there, my thinking on it, but like, how does everyone else think of that? Because mm -hmm. there are two separate lives. There's a real life and online presence. Yeah, I definitely, I think that's a super good point because um. I, I feel like I should give a disclaimer that I think what I post online and who I am truly is I think the same person. It's just a much more filtered down version because to mm -hmm. your point, I think if it's too different, then that comes off disingenuous of like you're one person online and then you're like actually a whole different person. That's a super interesting topic. Alice, I love you brought that point because it's something I've thought about for a while, especially the past year. I feel with more people stuck at home, the filters have come off. I, I think mm -hmm. we all had some sort of business filter on what we post on social media or content or whatever. And over the past year, that's definitely come off. I've been very similar to the campus usually where I never posted anything controversial, never anything about politics. Cause I think I was always like, well, let me wait until, you know, I'm in a, a good stable position where I can do that. And then I'm like, you know what? Now is as good a time as any. And I'm going to like post like, yeah, black lives matter. Yeah. I don't agree with, the direction of the government. Yeah, I don't agree with these things. And if you don't like it, that's okay. But this is, these are some of my thoughts and feelings on it. But so I'll ask everybody, how do you separate your authentic self from your social media self? And can you argue that they are different people? Cause there are, I, as an example, there are people that post outrageous things out loud, like things that are deliberately there to incite 
people mm. and get them riled up and this happens in JavaScript too. Like people post controversial things about tech or opinions just to get people. <laughs> yeah, just riled to get engagement, up. right? Like... Yeah, because it works. We're we're humans. We're you know we're drawn to that dog whistle. Like what? Someone said something I disagree with. What? <laughs> I gotta respond real quick. But and then there's people like, oh no, they're just joking. But like, how do you separate that? Like, how do you ensure your authenticity without being that type of person? Mm. And is there a, even a line? Can you say like, oh no, Augustus on Twitch, total douchebag. Like, <laughs> the worst. That's me. He cheats, <laughs> cheats so bad, he uses aimbots. Like, but in real life, he's a super nice person. But like, how far can you go? Because you're, it's still the, still you posting. So my overall question is like about authenticity and posting mm -hmm. and how authentic do you be? Or yeah, do you, like, that, that's where I go. I try and be literally as much the same as I am as much as possible. But I, I know what you're saying, Jem, is like some people have their online persona and their real life persona. And that like that can be different. I, I For me, it's like I want to just be even keel. And there was even things that I would maybe not share openly or, or talk about. But now I'm kind of like the, the walls, it's blurry now. It's just like I try not to worry about that as much. And like I said, some people may not like it and that's okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah, if, if you pretend to be someone long enough, aren't you that person? Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Deep. That's deep. I told you, I've, I've been thinking about this. Profound thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, so another factor that I, I want to bring up is also that who we are online, I guess now we're talking about just social media, you know, and, and online digital promotions, but who we are in that space is, I feel always slightly different from who you are in real life, because the, the what you put forth in the former is like, it, it feels to me like more of a choice versus like, mm -hmm. when you're just unfiltered and around your, you know, your family or something that's like 24 7 you could be putting an act on but that's a you know long act and like you said then that's who you become and for me i used to be super unfiltered on social media just who i was you know was truly it was almost like a, ref a mirror reflection right between the two sides but um i did encounter some pretty bad harassment a couple of years ago and that caused me to put up boundaries to protect myself. And so I still, I think who I am on social media is still reflective of who, who I am, like, you know, in my, at my core, like in real life, but it's definitely filtered now. And I, I think I'm a little bit less vulnerable than I perhaps might be. Um, mm. I think I'm like, my persona is more, seems more happy because I, I don't talk about difficult things as much because I, you know, I'm, protect I have that boundary now and I don't want to get as vulnerable like a place like Twitter or whatever and and it's different for like different places like maybe on discord I'm more willing to be like open and stuff mm -hmm. um but yeah that that that's my answer to your question is I think I am still myself it's just like le way less vulnerable if that makes sense and I, and I just have a, a little bit more of a boundary I kind of like that though too because also your like artwork if any like for our listeners please go look at Alice's artwork but it's very like happy and so yeah maybe that's part of your persona towards that too is you're like I want to focus on being happy to share with that I don't know if that's like conscious but like hearing you say that when I think of your artwork it sparks happiness like it, it really does like it's 
beautiful colors and like I don't know if that's like thoughtful into your own brand for that too yeah I mean I don't think that's intentional but you're definitely right in that I I like to illustrate things that are more positive I guess I think even the pieces that I paint when I'm like sad or angry kind of come off as feeling very <laughs> very uh approachable <laughs> like like the the tiger mural in my studio I was like super pissed when I painted that <laughs> <laughs> but it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> break up, but um, but it, I think it just ended up being pretty cool looking in general, and you know, not like ferociously like you know turning you away. You know, still maybe feels accessible. So yeah, Alice, I'm I'm jealous of you and Shirley. Uh, I'm jealous of any artist. I I'm not an artist. It's just not the side of my brain. But through art, you can be your authentic self. Right. Mm -hmm. That's I assume that's when you're creating the best art is like when you're really, really yeah. putting yourself into it. And I, so I'm so envious of that. Yeah. Because yeah. you can always be yourself through your art. Whereas like someone, uh, a poor person with me with no artistic skills, like I'm very reliant on the words that I choose and like having a big lexicon that I can choose from because like that's all I have. Whereas you two, like you can just put everything you have, your thoughts, your feelings into like the work you create, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, sort of tangential to that, but that sparked a thought is, I think, and, and Shirley and I have kind of talked about this in the past, it's like, the more you put yourself in your work, which is also then your like profession, uh, another like edge that I've come across that I have to sort of negotiate the like balance between is like not taking it as personally when like I am rejected for my work. Mm. Um, because it's, I think it's like, so it's so much easier to just compartmentalize it when you're like, I, I don't really care about, you know, the work that I made, like, yep. or, or, you know, when I, I, I used to do more like tech branding, like tech illustration branding, where I would make illustration styles for brands. And I, I could feel a very distinct separation between who I am and like that other brand that I'm making because it's not me, it's like, you know, it's for that corporation. And I think when, when you, it's like when you, the artist are also yourself and that is your brand and that the company is hiring you, your brand, it, it can feel a little bit harder mm. to like distinguish when they're rejecting you, the person, as opposed to like you, the symbolic role of, you know, brand crafter or whatever, cause they're <laughs> rejecting you. So. Yeah, I, that's another oh, that's thing I, I've been I've been that thinking a little bit about. Yeah, yeah. I it's it's funny because I don't actually feel like I put so I, I feel like because a lot of my work is client work, I feel like I don't you know inject as much of like myself into it. Although I suppose all of my personal work that's true. I don't think I've had those experiences. Um, I've I've gotten rejected a lot, but I don't know if I think particularly about. I don't know if I feel as much about if it's myself and my style that gets rejected. I guess the thing I wanted to kind of highlight that I really like what you've been saying, Alice, is this concept of boundaries. And I think yeah. it's that like whatever we choose to share online or not choose to share online, I think is like, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think it's like just this personal boundary of like what um, we feel uh, comfortable sharing because I think there is this... And this is something we can touch on later, but I do feel like there is there is this danger of feeling like um, I'm losing a part of myself for sharing, like like by sharing too much of myself, um, because I think 
And, and I think it's that like, as a freelancer, because we are our own brand, like what it feels like sometimes whatever I share is something that I'm trying to like trade as a commodity to build up my brand. And that makes me feel like I'm losing a part of myself. And so I think it's, that's, I think also why I'm like pretty protective of what I share because whatever I share is now out there. And I I don't think I have any specific examples of like, it's just this kind of like vague feeling of sometimes I feel like I'm losing too much of myself by sharing too much. I don't know if this is like something anybody feels. (laughs) I think a lot of what we're kind of saying is like where those lines get blurry, it makes a lot of sense. And maybe on another note too, is like, you know, we're doing a lot of this and, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts all on like, what benefits has like your personal mm. public brand helped you? Cause like there are some downsides, which we've touched on, but you know, there is benefits to it too. And I'm curious to hear like maybe even examples of things that have been, have been beneficial for it. Yeah. I mean, all, also, I think the reason why I've thought so hard about branding and, you know, this public private persona stuff and, and these boundaries is because it actually has been a huge force and a huge tool in my career. And I really would not have the career that I've, I mean, I feel like I've made like five lateral shifts in my career since like I graduated, right? Just moving from like one thing to another. Uh, and like each time getting closer to like what I you know really love the most. But um, for example, I mean, I'll just sometimes put things on Twitter or uh, Instagram or whatever. And that will literally help me launch like the next couple years of my career. It's really crazy. Like a few years ago, for example, like in 2018, I think, uh, I, I was feeling a little burnt out from like tech work. So on nights and weekends, I just started painting this mural in my studio. And it took me like a month because it was just my side project. I would, you know, just stay in the studio a couple hours late, few nights a week. And uh, I remember be- feeling very scared to post it actually because it felt like much more personal than uh, my other like tech brand work. And it was actually my our studio mate, Amy Weboo, who posted a picture of it like in progress. And then I saw that people were like, you know, encouraging me. And then that sparked me to post the full mural, which then led to more mural opportunities. And every opportunity that I got after that led to the next one. So, and then it's been like, you know, three years of being a muralist and getting to meet so many cool mural artists, street artists, you know, graffiti artists. And so that is a very specific example of how uh, this sort of self-promotion stuff has helped me like pivot in my career. Um, I would also say like, even at the beginning of my career, like I had nothing, I like came from nothing in terms of an art (laughs) art portfolio. I I had, you know, I don't want to you know, dismiss my, minimize, you know, my privilege there. But I, I, I had a very thin art portfolio and the way that I got my job back then as like a earlier member of the design team at Dropbox is um, I like launched this project uh, that, that a lot, a couple of the um, people on the recruiting team saw. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's not it's not a force to be discounted at all. It's it can be a very powerful tool if you if you uh, use it. For me, what boggles my mind and blows my mind in the most amazing way is this like thought process of I think before social media or I don't 
I shouldn't say before social media, like as if I knew what, you know, the working world was like before social media, because I'm of the generation that like, you know, graduated college in the midst of social media. But what I'm trying to say is, if I was to imagine it, it is such a mind blowing thought that we can put out artwork that are just like, or just put out anything that's authentically ourselves or like put out something that, you know, we feel like it's things that, you know, corporations might not pay for. Like it might not be like in, in Alice's uh, examples, like um, for Alice, like you did a mural because it was something that you just really wanted to do and you were passionate about it. And then people resonated with that because people had the opportunity to see that. And it wasn't a tech illustration in the sense that like, you know, it wasn't trying to like promote any tech company. It just was like, just something that you were happy about and to do. And like so many people resonated with that, that you make a career out of it. And there's so many stories of that kind of thing online of like on TikTok or wherever that's like something that I think traditionally people around us might have been let and have been dismissive of, be, of being like, oh, that's not going to make you money. Like you can't make a career out of that. But then like because of social media, because you can reach so many more people, like even if your small sphere around you are like, oh, like that's not a career. It's a numbers game of like, as long as if you, you can reach like many more people beyond your like small sphere, then there's bound to be people that resonate with your art or your work. And then like that has, you know, created like careers that I don't think I could have imagined without social media. And I think that's what's so mind boggling to me of like things that we would have thought could never be a career is a career. I think Shirley, like you hit it really well is like passion is so important, right? Like it's, it's now open the doors. Like you can do what you want to do and just do it. And like getting that exposure is really cool. And it, it kind of opens. Ooh, cheers. Doors. Cheers. Oh, yes. <laughs> Before we jump into picks, I did, I thought like one great way to kind of leave everyone with like maybe one small piece of advice about building their person around or just like something around that, like how should they think about it if they're approaching it um, before we hop into picks? I'd say be authentic. It's, I think what people hate or what, what turns people off is inauthenticity. So, so I think if you're authentic, then you'll never, you'll be true to yourself and you'll never be like a liar, which is weird to say, but if you present yourself as this like, oh, I'm a morally upright person and I only do good and shame on all everybody else, and then you get caught doing something really bad, then people distrust you. And trust is really, really, really hard to build up and it's mm. easy to tear down. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're authentic, then you never run into that scenario. That said, like the big asterisk, like Shirley said, you and Alice said too, you have to have boundaries and you have to decide what level you're comfortable with sharing people. I have more, but that's enough. Yeah, be authentic. Okay. I want to just add the kind of like a huge plus one to that. Um, I, this is a very common thing that creators on Twitch go through where mm -hmm. they stream for a specific game and then they want to pivot because they don't find that game fun anymore. But they have such a huge following on that game that they it's like they kind of ask themselves, do I sacrifice a huge part of my community to do what I want to do? And I'll just tell you, like, from what I've seen, you know, not speaking on behalf of creators or anyone, this is just from <laughs> observance, like, it's it's worth it. It's worth it because you're, you're just so much happier. And people can tell, like, when you're not having fun, right? Like, if you're 
feel like you're forced to play something that you don't want to play or you're forced to do something that you don't want to do, then people will see it. I think Alice had such a really interesting question about like um, when you feel like at odds of like something, like you're trying to transition, but you have such a huge brand presence about something. Like I felt like for me in my career, I have such a huge brand presence in front end, but I've actually been trying to transition into like a full stack and learning more back end in my career. And I think the biggest advice that I can give to people is talk to your manager about it. You know, like work with your manager and try to find projects on like how you can start transitioning. Um, and I'll just like, just straight up be honest with you. Um, this is like a conversation I've had. It's been pretty tough, but honestly, like own, own what you're good at. Like you're good at front end, own it. And like use that as a way to like educate people outside of you, like outside of your team, outside of your org. Um, and, and then opportunities for you to learn like backend and stuff will start to show up. Um, but definitely like work with your like manager on that. So I used to be super like tight and just like, you know, always looking at the numbers and like super freaked out about, you know, promotion and whatever. One thing that really helped shift it for me has been focusing instead on community and treating it like you are just mm -hmm. trying to hang out with your friends and like you're sharing your artwork or your project because you think your friends, this, this might bring joy to your friends or, you know, the people who you're in the community with want to support you and trying to see it from that angle, as opposed to like, I just want to build like an audience or whatever. Uh, and, and trying to, it's kind of like what um, Jam was saying about, you know, being authentic and like building authentic relationships, I feel is part of that. Um, and then I think it makes it a lot more enjoyable. And then you also get to like see other people's work and really, you know, try to get to know others as well. Ooh, I like that a lot. This is all great advice and definitely leads us perfectly into picks. And each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we'd love to share things that we found interesting, want to share with all of you. Jem, what kind of picks do you have for us this episode? Oh, going first. Good choice. Good choice, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I have two picks for today. The first one is a TV show. It is on Netflix. It's Formula One Drive to Survive. Season three just came out, uh, I think, a few weeks ago. And I have to say, it's so underrated. It is by far the best drama on Netflix. And like, I don't say that. I don't say that lightly. I think our our front end happy our regulars know how critical I am of movies, TV show, you know, all media generally. But when I say this is the best drama on Netflix, I don't say that lightly. Okay, so picture you have <laughs> the most expensive sport in the world, which is Formula One. Each car costs over a million dollars. So every time they wreck it. That's just a million dollars gone, plus the labor that goes into fixing it. Yeah. So you so you have that drama, like real genuine stakes. And you have 22 or 20 of the world's best drivers, like the people with the fastest reaction times that are humanly possible. And you put them in these super powered sports cars that can go 200 plus miles an hour. Plus, you have all these owners who are billionaires and just people with big personalities, because obviously they have enough money to fund a Formula One team. Then you have the drivers who are like buddies with each other, but they're also competing because they're going to be one one winner. And to stay in Formula One, you have to keep winning. But you're also on a team with somebody, so you're friends, but not really. And then you have that extended to all the other rivalries across the teams. And then you have people that switch teams all the time because they, they switch teams like every couple of years. So you have those rivalries going too. And you take all of that and you say like, hey, all this beef and all this drama 
you settle it on the racetrack on race day and you don't know what can happen. Random chance, the best person may win. It could be the worst person wins because it's just random chance sometimes. But it's all this drama and it gets settled on the race day and then they, like a few weeks later, they do it all over again. It's so good. I, I know I'm going on, but if you're talking about like something to get into it with real drama and real stakes, uh, Formula One Drive Survive is a great TV show. I highly recommend it. Uh, even if you're not in the motorsports, it's just it's just good times. My second pick is uh, one. Wait, first, I, I have to ask. Uh, we're all adults here, right? We're all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly. Surely, <laughs> so. sort of hand. Uh, okay, so my next pick is uh, a website. It's called buttplug.io, and in the world of connected things, you know, like open APIs, things like that, there's a group of people that are trying to get together to set open source standards uh, and software standards and APIs for controlling intimate adult hardware, including sex toys. I know, if people are like, oh, sex toys, we're all adults. <laughs> like, let's let's not pretend like we're not. Uh, but I think historically the sex industry has been marginalized and it's been pushed to like the bad parts because we look at that as like, oh, this is a terrible industry. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist. Even though it does, we, we all know it does. It has since the beginning of time. So anything that kind of stops that and brings more attention to uh, that particular area, I think is a good thing in general for human people. Like we're, you know, it's 2021. We can all grow up a little bit. But anyways, <laughs> it's an open source API for controlling sex toys. I love it because they have gone through and they have broken down uh, existing sex toys. There are a lot of companies out there now. And they've broken down their APIs so you can reverse engineer them and do use them as you like. I think it's a really fascinating area of open source that kind of we just don't think about. I have more on this subject, but I won't. As part of my personal brand of being authentic, <laughs> buttplug.io. Buttplug.io. Yeah. I love it. What a, That's probably one of the best URLs that we've shared on Front End Happy Hour. If you go into the docs, the, the maintainers like... Why did you choose, uh, like, one of the FAQs is like, why did you choose buttplug.io? Like, you could have chosen, like, open source standards for adult toys or something like that. And he's like, it's funny. And it's memorable. And I'm like, that's that's as good as reason as any. You are not going to forget that one. Exactly. Now nobody nobody listening to this will forget this. Augustus, how do you follow buttplug.io? <laughs> I don't know if I can follow that well, but I'll try. <laughs> um, I... I had two picks, but then I had, but then I added a quick third one. Um, so I won't go too much into to it. Uh, my first pick is this anime called Megalo Box. It's on Netflix. Um, really, really good anime. Um, it's about a boxer. Um, and uh, well, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, it's about a boxer, and it's it's pretty sick. So uh, definitely worth checking out. My second pick is Raya and the Last Dragon. If you have not seen this movie. You need to check it out. Disney Plus. Um, it's probably one of the best princess Disney princess movies ever. Like it's just like phenomenal. Uh, like I, I do not say that lightly. I think it goes against all the typical tropes. Really, really phenomenal movie. Great animation and just like incredible storyline. And, and then my final pick is this YouTube video called Summit 1G Quit Fortnite and Everything Changed. Um, and this this essentially goes into what I was talking about of how a lot of streamers and creators, they go through this huge struggle of like um, choosing between should I stream a category of like what my community wants me to watch versus doing what I want. 
and this like is a is, is a pre- it's like a fan made video fan made YouTube video of this very popular streamer called Summit One G. He uh, uh, Fortnite blew up on on Twitch, and he felt kind of forced to stream this category for a long time, and he absolutely hated it. Um, and it kind of talks about how his struggle and then how he transitioned to like a very no name game. And then it like, and he like was able to build a huge following from it. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. Very cool. Shirley, what do you have for us? Oh yeah. I have three things. We had enough time between this and the last recording that I've, I've gotten some picks again. Um, so the first one I have is I feel like I've plugged so many of Alice's things and work before but I wanted to do uh plug another thing again and so I uh, am gonna plug Alice's Asian Art Museum mural um it is so good um so this is a mural that was outside of the Asian Art Museum in SF and also across the city hall for about I think was it a month and a half Alice? oh it was for six months. Six. Oh my nice. God. Six months. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, just, I was oh, out <laughs> of the city for most of that. So I couldn't go see it. Um, but I love the concept behind it, which was kind of like, it was to bring the community together. It's a beautiful mural, but also it has a very interactive component to it, which is that community members can go up and answer a, a very specific question. And the question was, together, let's be blank, right? I, I really like that it's a crowdsource guide for everyday heroes. So um, I don't know why I'm trying to describe Alice's project anymore. If you want to, if you want to kind of like add in anything, Alice. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, so every month, there was a different um, theme. And the themes corresponded to like the hero's journey. So it would be like together let's be brave and then you would write how you plan to show up and be brave or like together let's be patient and you would write it on a sticker and the sticker would correspond to some place on the mural like it was color coordinated so when you look at it from afar you see the mural and then when you look at it up close you see like all like hundreds if not thousands of like responses and they were so profound i mean some of them were like you know i'm gonna go eat Chipotle or whatever but then some of them were like I'm gonna like propose like you know I'm gonna ask for that promotion or you know and it it was it was really beautiful so yeah I um I got to see the making of of this mural because uh Alice was like just painting it for like weeks or what felt like weeks um and I never got to see it in person because I think I was in New York for those six months oh yeah but But you helped um, me paint it Yeah, I I did a few brushstrokes. So that's my first pick. And the second one I have is kind of within the area of um, branding and self-promotion, which is I mentioned a YouTube uh, channel called Accented Cinema before. And they, they kind of concentrate on doing video essays for foreign cinema, um, most frequently like Chinese cinema. Um, and I wanted to plug a specific video um, because I think I'm, I've been trying to share more things about uh, Chinese culture and Asian culture on this podcast because of there's just so much anti-Asian hate going on in the country right now. And I just want to share whatever it is that I can to be like humans we're all humans (laughs) and this particular video is called uh, Chinese animation in search of a style and it's a really well done essay video essay and um, I think at the core of it it's talking about uh, it kind of like 
looks at uh, Chinese animation's like journey, which uh, I didn't even really think about the fact that Chinese animation exists. Um, and it kind of talks about how it's like sandwiched between two giants of Hollywood and like Japanese animation, like Ghibli studios. And, and then how in the last decade, it feels like it's like really found um, its own voice. Um, and I, I really, really liked this video. So please check it out if you're kind of interested. Um, some very beautiful animations and imagery. The last one, I'm so obsessed is WandaVision, <laughs> which uh, we watched last week, uh, binged it in two nights and then watched the finale on like a third night. Oh my God. Uh, WandaVision is, um, it's, it's about Scarlet Witch in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I don't think I should say anything more because anything more I feel like would spoil the whole thing. And that's my three picks. <laughs> Awesome. Alice, what do you have for us? Yeah, so my first pick, and sorry if this comes off a little self-promoting, actually, in the theme of- uh, We but, are talking, oh. it was okay. <laughs> my first pick is, um, but it's really helped me. It's a community that me and my friend Amy, we, we Bowo started called Creative Cuties. It's a Discord server for creative makers who love cute things. So we have channels for like doodling, creative coding, hacking. Shirley has a data channel in there. And I, I also really want to highlight it because this past week um, has been pretty challenging, especially with the you know current events with the attacks on Asian Americans in the US. And so it's been a really nice like corner of the internet where I feel like we've just gotten to be very open and honest about our experiences. Um, I think there's, uh, there's, I believe the majority of the members in the Discord are identify as, uh, you know, women. So, um, and then I think a lot of uh, people are also like Asian American. So it's it's been a really nice um, corner of the internet to just get to like share with, with other friends. And also it's just been very an inspiring place overall. Um, and then my second pick is uh, a TV show. It's not the, I think Jem described his show as like a cinematic, the best drama on TV. So mine is definitely not, it's like a reality <laughs> show. Uh, but it's one of the longest running reality shows uh, on television. It's Survivor. Guess. Oh, oh, I want to guess. Yes. Oh. I was going to oh, guess okay. Survivor or Big Brother. I can never remember which one. Oh, show, so. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm really obsessed with Survivor if you're like listening to this and also are, are like legitimately very into Survivor. Like, please contact me because I don't have enough friends who are into <laughs> Survivor the level that I am. Like, <laughs> It's the perfect show to watch during quarantine because there's like 40 seasons. So I'm on like season 17. <laughs> you know, you can skip the, you know, challenges are a little repetitive. But, you know, I think I feel like this show has taught me a lot and, and about what not to do and what to do, you know, how to <laughs> how to like communicate well with others, how not to communicate well. Yeah, it's, it's a very fascinating show about social dynamics and um, perception and self-perception, which I, I feel kind of ties into this promotion theme as well so yeah that's a great one i like that i have just one pick a book that i've been reading better allies 
by Karen Catlin. Such a good book on just like how to show up as a better ally for your peers. And just like, just to really put you in that mindset, I I believe I've picked the Better Allies newsletter in past episodes. If I haven't before, Mm -hmm. you should go subscribe to that because it's every Friday is just like really short little snippets, five snippets that you can do to show up and be a better ally for folks. It's so good. uh, The book is great. She's amazing. So I thought that would be a good pick to share. Before we uh, end the episode, Alice, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was amazing sharing all, all the great knowledge. And, you know, to end well is personal brand. Where can people get in touch with you? What, where can they find you? Oh, thanks for asking. I'm by Alice Lee, L-E-E, on the internet. So by Alice Lee on Twitter, Instagram, um, byalicelee.com is my URL. And we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but I've also been thinking about, like, having a studio name that's not my name but that's a different different subject can can we all like give suggestions on this name yeah that would be fun too yes i like that that's very cool (laughs) all right well thank you all for listening to front end happy hour you can find us at frontendhappyhour.com or on Twitter at FrontNHH, or on Instagram at FrontNHH. Subscribe to us on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. And any last words? Yes, that's self-promotion just now. (laughs) (laughs) Exposure. Exposure, Cheers. cheers. Exposure.